Jesus is standing at your heart's door. Standing and knocking, he's knocked before. This is the question you face once more. What will you do for Jesus? What will you do for Jesus? Neutral you cannot be. Someday your heart will be asking, What did you do for me? Did you notice that I changed some of the words? This morning, the title of my message is, What Will You Do for Jesus? And what I want us to do is, I want us to look at some scriptures this morning. I'm going to have a question at the end of this message, and I'm going to give you a choice to choose A, B, C, or D to answer this question this morning. What will you do for Jesus? Now, I'm about to read some scriptures here, and and I'm going to lay a foundation of the things that God desires for you to do. If you're here this morning, you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. He has saved you. He has redeemed you. When the day comes and He comes, if you're here and He comes in the air, He's going to take you with Him. If you have gone on to, if someone goes on to be with the Lord before He does that, the Bible tells us to be absent from this body is to be present with Him. But if you're here this morning and you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, we need to answer this question. Uh, I mentioned in my message last week that God has given every single one of us a purpose and a plan that He has for us to accomplish for Him. I remember asking the question, and it was kind of a pointed question. What have you done this year, 2018? What have you done to fulfill His purpose? Now, I'm sure that we can all, if we can take our our bank accounts and we can look at things that we have done in the past this past year, you only got two days left to have something that if you want to accomplish in 2018. But what have we done this year, not according to what we planned, but according to His purpose? What have we done for Jesus this year? We've got two days. If you want to say that you've done it in 2018. My goal this morning is for us to plan and set aside, okay, 2019, I'm going to answer this question. What will I do for Jesus this coming year? And if you, if you fail, it's most of the time it's because you have not planned. If you don't plan to succeed, you have failed to plan. I, I, there's some little old saying that kind of goes along with that. You fail because you fail to plan? or Yes, ma'am. That's it. If you, if you fail to plan, you plan... To fail. If you don't decide, this is what I'm going to accomplish for Jesus this year, come next year, end of December, you'll go, man, I was going to do something this year for Jesus, but I just forgot to plan it. So, that's the answer that we're going to look at this morning. My key verse this morning, and we're going to just read it at the beginning, if you will, with me, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. A very, very familiar verse. Many of you have memorized this verse. 
It simply says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on thine own understanding. In all of thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes, but fear the Lord and depart from evil. That should be our goal. That should be our theme verse for our life. Trust in the Lord. Turn everything over to Him, and He will direct our paths. So, before we start this question this morning, what will you do for Jesus? I just want to lay a foundation. Many of these verses, all the way down to about Jeremiah 18 and 12, well, yep, all the way across down to Jeremiah 18 and 12, from there and all the way down to Proverbs 16 9 on this side, are going to be the foundation verses. Okay? These are things that the Word of God says that God has planned for you to accomplish for Him. Okay? So, if you would like to write these down, that would be great. But I'm going to simply go through these to remind us of the things that God has called us to do. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 is what we sometimes refer to as the Great Commission. He tells us to go ye therefore. Step one is to go. Teach all nations. That is a completely different thing that you do in teaching. Number three, it says baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Then it says again, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Now, I want you to know, not the same person is to do all of those acts. Believe me, that is not necessarily just the preacher's job. Now, does your preacher go there for? Yes. Does he teach? Yes. Does he baptize? Yes. Then does he teach them to observe what the Word of God says? I do all those things, but I want you to know, God has called all of us to do portions of that evangelism. Every single one of us are to be a part of that foundational verse. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. I believe this is the great commission for also, for the church. When Jesus left this earth, He said, I did not leave you empty. I gave gifts. And this is what He said. He gave gifts for us to accomplish. And He gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now this is, what the, this is the duty of the church. This is why we have Sunday school. This is why we have youth groups on Wednesday night. This is why we have children's ministries. This is why we have Wednesday night services. This is why we have Wednesday night Bible study for the the adults. It's for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ until we all come in unity of the faith. Listen, before we answer this question, what will we do for Jesus? Understand, God has called many of us to do some of the areas that we just mentioned. Now, let me ask, if you get on a bus and you drive into Indian Springs two, sometimes three times on a Wednesday night, is that teaching or preaching? No, but you want to know something? In order for those kids to receive the gospel that is taught, if we didn't have people who run our bus ministries... That would not be accomplished. We would be having half a dozen kids here on Wednesday nights. I forget what the number was. It was between 35 and 40 kids that we pick up and bring to church and then deliver back home every Wednesday. A great number. And that is part of this evangelism. Go ye therefore. So understand, 
We, the foundation that I am laying is God is calling each and every one of you born-again believers to get involved in something. In 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 6 through 8, another foundational verse, he says, and there are diversities of operations. In other words, there's different ways to accomplish what God has called us to do. It, it's not everything my way. I was so proud when we had our, our Christmas uh, program do you know the only thing I done? I think it was the night or, or that Sunday before I come and helped set up the sound. That's all I ever did in that program, huh? Well, just a sound had to do with sound. I, I want you to know, I could hardly get my head out those back doors after Sunday night. I was so proud of this church, the great program that they put on, and and it wasn't this this church has outgrown. The area where the preacher is the one that says, okay, we need to do this and we need to do this and we need to do this. No, we have so many in this church that have stepped up and took on and they, they've taken ownership of their own ministry. That's why we have a children's church right now. We've got people back there teaching our kids on a level that they can learn about the gospel of Jesus Christ right now because God has called them. They've taken that ministry on their own and they see that it's accomplished. Our bus ministries... Our WMA ministries, our missionary ministries, we have people that have stood up and they've done that. That's what God has called us to do. What have you done for Jesus? It's a challenging question. But it says there, there's different operations, but it's the same God which works all in all. You know what the Greek word or the Greek meaning of all is? All means all, and that's all all means. If you are a born again child of God, God has given you something to do for Him. It goes on, it says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given again to every man to profit with all, for to one is given by the Spirit of the word wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. And the list just continues to go on and on and on. Some of you have the gift of ministry. Some of you have the gift of mercy. Some of you have the gift of hospitality. Some have the gift of administration. God desires for you to do whatever He has gifted you with. Again, these are the foundational verses. Second Timothy tells us to preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having inching ears. The Bible tells us as a church we are to preach the gospel. Not just from here. Every single one of you that are born again children of God, you need to proclaim the gospel to everyone that's around you to your children, your grandchildren, to your family, to your co-workers. I was talking to someone this week, and they said, Brother Wayne, I was just letting them know if they'll just turn their life over to Jesus, everything will work out to the good of them if they would just turn their life over to Jesus. Their problem is, is they ignore Jesus in their life. This is what I'm telling you. We need to be ready in season. The Bible tells us that we should be ready, Christians. Now, if you're here this morning, you don't know the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior, I'm not talking to you. The Bible tells us as Christians we should be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks of the hope that we have in Jesus. 
In other words, if you tell someone, yeah, I'm going to go to heaven when I die, listen, you better be ready to stand up and tell them why you believe you're going to heaven. He says that we should be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have in our, in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Matthew 5, verse 16. You've heard this many, many times. It says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, a lot of people believe today as Christians, a lot of people believe that, well, I'm going to just be a good person and my little light's going to shine and they're going to see something different in me. And, 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 and listen, that's not true. We ought to let our light shine. We ought to be different. But the, this is kind of like a show and tell thing. Okay? You can't just show. If you go to, you, you take your pet or whatever it is you take to school and this is going to be show and tell and you walk up there and you've got a turtle in your hand and you're not willing to say anything about that turtle. They don't know if you found that turtle walking to school today or if that turtle's been with you for the last five years. or They don't know anything. No, Christianity is a show and tell kind of a thing. Let your light shine. And then, and then it, did you notice what else it says? That they may see your good works. Let your light shine. So it's not just letting your light shine, but you are doing something that they may be able to see your good works. Alright, Colossians 1.16. And uh, this is one of my favorite verses. For by Him were all things created. This is talking about Jesus that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, or principalities or powers. Then this scripture right here. All things were created by Him and for Him. Listen, if some kid or somebody asks you, I don't know what I was put on this earth for, I don't know what the meaning of life is, let me tell you, there's the scripture right there. You were created to praise and glorify Jesus Christ in your life. Simple as that. That's what you're put here for. Everything was created by Him and everything was created for Him. Here goes that question again. So what are you going to do for Jesus? Let me, let me, let me, let me finish these foundation verses right quick. 2 Timothy 3.16 All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instructions in righteousness... Now watch this. It says, That a man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Let me tell you, this is all you need right here. This is all you need. If you want to know what you need to do for Jesus, this is all you need. But it don't do any good if it's sitting on a coffee table. It doesn't do any good if it's on the shelf. It don't, it don't do any good if you just pick it up once a week so you can bring it to church and back. That's not what... It's in the Scripture, the words that are in here. If we will take the words that are in here and we will begin to apply them to our life, He has perfectly furnished everything we need to accomplish what He desires for us. Just a couple of more verses. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God has a plan for you. I... I'm not one of those preachers that like to get people to repeat after me, you know, because I'm one of those people that sit in the audience and when a preacher says, repeat this after me, I don't do it, you know. I, I just, I, I don't know what his motivation is behind it. But, but I believe when you read that scripture, 
I believe it would be real simple for you to say, God has a plan for me. You could say that right now. You could say, God has a plan for me. And I, I, that's what that Scripture's saying. Don't think for one second that God has not gifted you. If you know the Lord, God has gifted you to do something for Jesus. He's got a plan for you. He has a plan to give you hope in the future. Proverbs 16 and 3 says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. In other words, your plans will be established. Proverbs 16.9, it says, A man's heart divisive his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. I'm telling you, a man, our hearts are, are evil. Do we realize that? John chapter, uh, Romans chapter 3 tells us, There is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Our hearts are divisive. But listen, when you get turn your life over to Jesus Christ, He can change that divisiveness and set you free and make you whole. One last verse. But they will reply, It's no use. We will continue with our own plans. Each of us will follow the stubbornness of his evil heart. Jeremiah went to the people and he said, Listen, if you don't stop serving idols, God is going to send you captive unto the Babylonians. And this was their reply. But they will reply, it's no use. Jeremiah, you can just hush. Because we're going to do what we want to. We don't care what you say. We don't care what God says. We're going to do what we want to do. And God kept His promise. God sent the Babylonians, took them 900 miles away to Babylon, and for 70 years, God disciplined them. God, God put them in captivity until they turned their hearts away from their idols, and they started turning and, and started serving God again. All right. Did I lay a pretty sure foundation? I, I, don't, want a, I don't want a foundation that's going to crack when we walk on it. I want you to be able to sit here and say right now from what, what we have read in the Scriptures, not what Brother Wayne said, but what we have read in the Scriptures, God has a desire for me to do something for Him. We read the Scriptures. God has gifted every single one of us that know the Lord Jesus, that the Spirit lives in. He has put something in us that we can use to serve Him. No matter how intelligent we are, no matter how socially inclined we are, no matter... It, God has given you something to do. And I'm not going to go into the big long story about, about Lois Thames again. You've heard my story about Lois Thames. All she could do was cook the best cherry pie that I've ever eaten. But buddy, she used it to serve the Lord with. If you can make cherry pie, and I know some of you can't, but if you can make cherry pie, you can serve the Lord. If you can make cupcakes... You can serve the Lord with... God's given you an ability to do something for Him. Now, the question. What are you going to do for Jesus? That's the question I want you to answer. At the end of this service, you're going to be given four choices. Will you do what Jonah has done? Every single example that I'm about to use is someone in the Scriptures that chose what will they do for Jesus? In Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Let's go there right quick. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. If you're having trouble finding it, it's between Micah and Obadiah. That ought to help a whole lot. Huh? 
Yeah, in my Bible, Jonah is about th two, three pages long. Page 1,332 if you've got my Bible. But listen how it goes. Listen to this. Now, a lot of people don't understand this. A lot of people believe that the first time you read about Jonah is in the book of Jonah. And, and I didn't look up the, the Scripture reference, but Jonah is used by God one other time to go and speak with the king. So Jonah is a prophet that is used by God. Jonah, God told Jonah, he says, I want you to go tell this king such and so. Jonah done just what God told him to do. But this time, God asked Jonah, he says, Jonah, I've got a job for you to do. Look in verse number 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Abitibia, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish for the presence of the Lord, from the presence of the Lord, and he went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it go, uh, to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now we're going to see that some, some this last year, we've got two days left in this 2018, but some of us last year, when the Lord called on our lives, the Lord called on our hearts, what are you going to do for Jesus? He says, hey, I've got something that I want you to do. The Holy Spirit convicted your heart to go and visit. The Holy Spirit convicted your heart to go into this certain area and serve. The Holy Spirit has convicted you and you simply said no. That's one of the answers. Praise God, He's merciful. His mercy endures forever. He's gracious. Because I don't know anyone in our congregation that got swallowed by a great fish. But in this situation, God insisted. I've got something I want you to do, Jonah, and I want you to accomplish it. And the answer Jonah gave to what will you do for Jesus? God... I'm not doing anything. You want me to do this, I'm not doing that. You don't understand, God, they're my enemy. You don't understand, God, this is the only weekend that I'm going to have my family in. The, God, you don't understand, I saw this big buck on my camera and I've got to be there this morning. God, you don't understand, the, the, I can worship the Lord just as well in a boat as I can at that church house. No, your answer was just simply, no. Now you've come up with a lot of excuses, but your answer was no. What will you do for Jesus, Jonah? I'm not doing anything. Here's another one that we can use an example. In Matthew 26, we're going to be talking about Judas for just a second. Now, we have to understand, Judas was a disciple. We need to understand that Judas was with Jesus for three years. In Matthew 26, it tells us in verse number 15, Judas is speaking with the scribes and the Pharisees, the chief priests, the ones that want to put Jesus to death, and it says, And said unto them, Judas speaking, What will you give me, and I will deliver him, Jesus, unto you? And 
they coveted with him for 30 pieces of silver, and from that time on he sought opportunity to betray him. Now some people like to say something to this effect. They say, well, Judas had to be a believer in Jesus. He was with him for three years. He was with him. He kept following him. I want you to know Judas had a motivation to be with Jesus. Does anybody know what Judas did for an occupation there while he was with the disciples? He was the treasurer. And as a matter of fact, the Scriptures, when you look and read, you'll see that he was dipping into that treasury for his own benefit. And this next verse will identify to us that Judas was a non-believer because Jesus tells them, He says, it's better that a person was never born than the one that's going to betray me. In other words, hey listen, it wasn't that Judas was backslidden. Listen, a backslidden believer goes to heaven. You hear me? When Jesus redeems you, when Jesus washes you with the blood of Jesus Christ and He saves you and you become a child of His, even if you fall back, even if you slide back, you are still a child of His. Judas didn't backslide. Judas was simply a non-believer. In Matthew 26 and verse 23 it says this, and he answered and said, "This is sitting at the, they're sitting at the Last Supper. He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had never been born. Listen, if you're the gatekeeper in heaven, If you're the janitor in heaven, you're a lot better off being born than not being born. It would have been better had he never been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? And he said unto him, Thou hast said. Question number two. What will you do for Jesus? I'm afraid there are some that fall into this category that they say yes to Jesus, but yet they don't do anything. Will you do something for me? Oh, yeah, Lord, I will, I will. And then when it comes time to do it, you don't. You understand? That's that's where Judas was. Judas, Judas was just going to church. He was just being in the presence of Jesus to get out of it what he desired. Judas was there to fulfill his flesh. He was not there to get anything from the Lord or anything for the Lord or His ministry. This morning, as we look over 2018, is our answer just like it was for Jonah? No, Lord, I'm not going to do anything for you. This, that's not, that's, I don't want to do that. Number two, Are you like Judas and you say, yes, Lord? And then you don't follow through. Number three. Number three. This could be your answer. Exodus chapter three. Turn with me there to Exodus chapter three. This is another one that you're very familiar with. Exodus chapter three. We're going to read a couple of these verses. This is where we find Moses. And he's speaking with God. He's been a shepherd over in the land of Midian, and God comes to him in a burning bush, and he says, Moses, I want you to go and lead my people out of Egypt. 
We're going to start in verse number 7, and it says this in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 7, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of the land into a good land, a land unto, uh, a land that's flowing with milk and honey, and to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is coming to me, and have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Here it is. Jesus, I just read the foundation scriptures. And this is what Jesus is saying to every single one of us. Come now. Hey, come. Come now. I've got something for every single one of you to do for me. Come now. And Moses said unto God, this is his reply. Wait a minute. Who am I? Wait a minute, God. Have have you looked at my qualifications? You're wanting me to go and do that? Have you looked at my qualifications? Who am I that I would go to Pharaoh? Who am I? I am 80 years old. God, I'm retiring from Christian work. If you're still here, God still got something for you. Let me finish reading. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Look in verse 13. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your father hath sent me unto you, and they shall say unto me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? How many of you have how many of you have ever had children? And you say, Go wash the dishes. This is what they start doing. They start asking questions. Which side of the sink do you want me to use? Either side. Do you want me to get the blue stuff or the orange stuff in for the soap? It don't matter. Do you want me to use hot water or cold water? Then this. Uh, do you want me to? Do you want me to leave them in the sink or do you want to put them in the, put them in the strain or the drainer? And listen, they know exactly. You know what I'm saying? They know exactly what they've done. They've done it before, but they're starting to ask all of these questions because they're trying their very best to get out of washing the dishes. They're waiting for you to say this, never mind, I'll do it myself. That's what, oh yes. I see some of you looking at your kids. We've, we know how to play the game because when we were kids, we done the same thing. And Moses is doing the same thing. Who am I? Wait a minute, God. What if, what if they ask me who sent me? What am I going to tell them? In, verse, in chapter 4 and verse 1, And Moses answered and he said, Behold, uh, they will not believe me nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. What am I going to do if they say they don't believe me? Look in verse chapter 4 and verse number 10. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent. Neither therefore nor since hast thou spoken unto thy servants, but I am slow of speech and a slow of tongue. This is, this is kind of when God is starting to bite his teeth a little bit. And the Lord said unto him, 
Who hath made man's mouth, or who hath made makes the dumb or the deaf, or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? In other words, he's saying, and he looks at every single one of us, and he says, when I've called you to do something, do you not think I know exactly who you are? He says, I know the very cells that make up your body. I know where every freckle is on your body. I know every hair on your head. If I have called you to do something, now don't you think I know who you are? I have equipped you. If I've called you, I've equipped you to accomplish this. Moses is just coming up with excuse after excuse. Verse uh, number 12, Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and I will teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by thy hand of him whom thou wilt send. In other words, he's saying, God, please find someone else. God, please find someone else. Is this your answer? 2018, what have I done for Jesus? And this was your answer? God, please find someone else. I, I can't teach. I don't have the patience to deal with kids. God, I don't like adults. We can come up with every excuse on the sun not to do something. So what's your answer this year? What's your answer for next year? What will I do for Jesus? Will you be a Jonah and just say, No, I'm, I'm not doing it. I quit. I'm not, I'm not going there. I know I've served you before, God, but you've asked too much of me. No, is my answer. Are you going to be like Judas and say, Yes, I'll serve you? And then not. Will you be like Moses and all you do is come up with excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse? Not to. <laughs> the starting of that next verse, it says, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Tired of hearing your excuses. I died for you. I gave you my son. I redeemed you. I took every sin that you've ever committed or will commit. I put it on the cross. I put it on my son. Can't you at least give me your reasonable service? Wow. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8. This is... God needed someone to go and warn the people, warn the children of Israel. God was speaking to a man named Isaiah. Isaiah was a young man. Isaiah believed and trusted in the Lord. And God was explaining to Isaiah, I've got a people that don't even know who I am. I need someone to go and tell the people the message that I have for them. In Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8 it says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said I, Here I am, Lord. Send me. And he said, Go and tell his people, Hear you indeed, but understand not, and see you indeed, but perceive not. He says, Isaiah, look, let me tell you what he said. He said, Isaiah, I, I've got a message I need to send to these people. And Isaiah says, Well, here I am. The next verse he said, 
understand, Isaiah. You're going to speak to them and they're not going to listen. You're going to tell them the truth and they're not going to perceive it. And Isaiah said, just tell them where to go. So here's the question, right here. So, what will you do for Jesus? Now, every single one of us will answer this today. Now, does everybody know the right answer? Which is the right answer? D. Okay. Now, see, when you're in Sunday school, everybody knows the Sunday school answer. Jesus, the church, the Holy Spirit. The Sunday school answer is D. Okay? What will you do for Jesus the rest of 2018 and the beginning of 2019? What will you do for Jesus? The right answer is D. And you will say, Lord, here I am. Send me. But so many times, we pull a Moses and we come up with so many excuses that we can't. Or we've just drifted so far away from God that A is our answer and we just simply say no. Or many, many, many people play church. Many people play church and say, yeah, Lord, I'll serve you. Yeah, Lord, I'm here. Show up every Sunday, every Wednesday. Yeah, I'm here. But their heart is so far from God. You'll remember, I think, call the scariest verse in the Bible, Matthew chapter 7. I can't remember what verse it is. And the Bible says, and there'll be many that stand before me and say, Lord, Lord, didn't I cast out demons in your name? Didn't I teach? Didn't I say, go to Sunday school? And he's going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. That's exactly what Jesus is going to say to Judas. Judas will stand before God one day and he says, well, didn't I follow you for three years? Didn't I surrender those three years to you? I committed my life to you for three years. And he's going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. I hope that's not you this morning. I hope this morning that if you have given your life to Christ, you've accepted what He's done on the cross for you, believe that He died and He rose again for our redemption. And I pray that not only do you have faith in that, but you're willing to serve Him. Jesus is standing at your heart's door, standing and knocking, He's knocked before. This is the question you face once more. What will you do for Jesus? What will you do for Jesus? Neutral you cannot be. Someday your heart will be asking, What did I do for Him? Let's stand. Father, thank You again for an opportunity to stand and proclaim Your Word this morning. God, I pray that the message that You've called me to preach this morning has challenged our hearts, not just for the last two days of 2018, and not that we would put off the decision that we're going to make this morning till 2019, but God, let us determine this morning before we leave this place that we're going to serve You. We're going to find that gift that You have given us. You're going to find that purpose that You have in our plan for our life, that we're going to engage it. And God, we're going to answer this question this morning. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Thank You again. Let Your Holy Spirit work during this time of invitation, and we pray it in Jesus' name.
Amen. Let's sing this invitation here.